heart of the Oregon wine country. And my guest today is Dr. Sherry Rosenthal. She is one of the most sought after retreat strategists for coaches, speakers, and authors. You can find her at wanderlustentrepreneur.com. But beyond all that, she also has her own experiential travel company and leads spiritual retreats around the world. So welcome, Dr. Sherry. Thank you so much, Linda. It's just an honor to be here. I love my fellow travel professionals, so I'm so excited to talk to you today. And I'm so excited to talk to you, too. Um, I was really excited when Richard sort of brought you to my attention, and the more I sort of dug in and researched, the more I thought, oh, my gosh, this woman is like the guru that we all need, I guess, right? (laughs) So you want, to, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how sure. all this came to be? Absolutely, Linda. So I have a kind of odd background, but then so many of us do, right? Um, originally, I started out as a podiatric physician. So for those of you guys who don't know what that is, it's a foot doctor. And I actually never wanted to be one, but my parents pushed me in that direction because they wanted me to always make a living. You know how parents are, right? So uh, I did that and I practiced actually for 18 years and I ran a surgical residency program. So I really love to teach. And then it got to the point where I was so done and I just took a leap of faith and left. Of course, my parents thought I was going to be a bag person. I know it's like, oh my God, my daughter's not a doctor anymore. What's going to happen? Well, you know, in theory, you are still a doctor. Yes, yes. <laughs> and right. you can, you fight. <laughs> right. You're right. You're right. You never stop being one. But so it was just a really crazy time. And uh, I didn't know what to do with my life at that point. I had just like said, forget it. I'm leaving. I'm just leaving. And then I saw Don Miguel Ruiz, who many of you know, wrote the four agreements, had a journey going to Mexico. So I said, oh, this is perfect. It's during my Easter break. I'd sold the practice, but I was still finishing up till they took over. And I went and it was life-changing, literally life-changing. And from that point forward, I studied with Don Miguel for eight years. Two of those years, I ran his business. So I learned the whole retreat uh, construction and booking and the whole nine yards. And in then in 2003, I started teaching the four agreements and started my own travel agency so I could do my retreats legally. And I've been doing them ever since. And then in 2014, I decided I really wanted to do something that embraced all of me. So it's not like I ditched the four agreements. It's behind everything I do. But I started Wanderlust Entrepreneur because I love to travel. And I really wanted to teach my retreat leaders who I had been working with how to do more successful retreats, how to fill their retreats and how to profit more from them. Because in the years that I had my travel agency, I realized so many retreat leaders are suffering. They're not filling and they're not making the profit they should be. And it was really disheartening for me. So that's how Wanderlust got born. And uh, yeah, we've been having fun ever since. And the people on my team actually are my four agreements, brothers and sisters that I dragged along into my business with me. So it's really awesome. I love that. I, re- I actually love that. So when you were um, 
working with Don Miguel, at what point did you start writing? Because I know you've written several books. I did. So how that came about, Linda, was because I had a phobia about writing. I wouldn't even write a letter. Uh, as I was growing up, I was told that I was a terrible writer. <sighs> I know. And so Don Miguel said, that's absolute nonsense. Of course, you know, he's all about breaking beliefs and, and moving past limitations. And so he challenged me to write a book. And I said, I can't. He goes, I don't even want to hear this discussion. Go write it. So I did. And um, the first book I wrote, I didn't get published. I tried, but I didn't. However, at the same time, I was contacted by Alpha Publishing, who does the Idiot's Guides. Oh, right, and right. They, they asked me to submit what I would do, a table of contents. And I was really excited. I submitted it, and they loved it, and they chose me. Yay. Okay. And then after that book was published, I actually used the editor that helped me to rewrite my book that I had written that I couldn't publish. And then I self-published that. And then a publisher after that caught up with me to write a book on forgiveness. And then I took that back from the publisher and created an online program, which is actually oh. on Udemy now. So that's, that's actually what happened with the books. And it was just an exercise in getting over myself. And thank God, because now as an online business, you know, you, you do so much writing and, and content creation. I don't know what I would do without the experience of having faith in myself that I could write. And now I'm actually a really good writer. So it's really well, funny. I, you know what? I'm sure that you are. And, you know, I think it's interesting. The, the thing that sprang into my mind when you were talking was, remember when people said, oh, you know, with internet and texting and all that, kids won't write. Nobody will write. We write more than ever. I don't oh think there's ever gosh. been a time in the history of the world when people have written as much as they do now. They may not be long literary treatises, but yes. we write all the time. All you know? the time. And I think that's really actually kind of an amazing thing. You yes, know? Linda. I agree. One, You are so on point. So yeah, I agree with you 100%. And now, so so do you want to talk about a little bit about how your, your two businesses kind of mesh together? Because I really want to get into your experiential journey piece and all of that. So tell me some of that. Well, originally, when I was first teaching the four agreements, as I said, I wanted to do retreats myself, I was so smitten by them. And they so changed my life, like radical life changing, mm -hmm. <laughs> that I felt I needed to use that, that environment, that construction, that formula to take my clients on that same kind of transformational journey. And I wanted to do it legally. You know, there are several states in the United States that have seller of travel law. All right. Canada does too. And so I wanted to make sure that my retreats were being done legally. So I started my own travel agency. And uh, that's how the two pieces came together because I, I, created the agency just for me. And then people started coming to me saying, oh, Sherry, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? So right. that's how that ended up unfolding. And so I was teaching the four agreements and managing and, and co-marketing retreats with my retreat leaders. So yeah, that's, that's how that all unfolded. So now are, do you still lead all of the retreats yourself? No, no not all of them. 
so the focus has changed before Linda, mm-hmm. they were obviously four agreements retreats, right. strictly four agreements retreats. Now, since Wanderlust Entrepreneur, since I'm helping retreat leaders create their retreats and design them better and formulate them better, most of my personal retreats are help are ones that are focused on creating retreats. So okay. I, I okay. often will do a retreat and take them behind the scenes mm-hmm. so that they understand all, all what's gone into creating. Sure. The, so they're participating in two ways. One is the participant, and then they're also pulling out and taking a look in the bigger picture to see how the retreat is actually being formulated, laid out, what are the, the things that are happening behind the scenes so that they understand better and are prepared. And when, and when you do these retreats for, for those clients, do you take them to these same like sacred spots that you take, we'll just say the, the, the tourist clients? Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Because look, there's mindset behind everything, Linda. Mm-hmm. And so the four agreements creep in in that way. Because for example, a lot of times our retreat leaders are having trouble filling retreats because they are afraid to do Facebook lives. They're afraid to put themselves oh, out there. Right. And so we want to go into what are the aspects and what are the things that are going on personally that are stopping you from s- stepping up in the biggest way possible? to serve your clients. And that that's part of why their retreats are not selling. So there's two sides of it. Part of it is most transformational leaders are not the best marketers because that's not their strong point. Their strong point is in working with people. Mm-hmm. So there's all of that business coaching that goes into it too. So it's mindset, it's business coaching, it's being in a wonderful sacred environment, and it's you know learning how to make the most beautiful retreat possible. So it's a little different from the kind of retreats that I was doing before, which were just transformational. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it's really great opportunity for people to to move through all those different aspects. So when they come out of it, they feel more confident and standing strong in who they are as a retreat leader and what they have to share in the world and their purpose. And just to be able to put themselves forth authentically, which is what we all want, of course. Yeah. You know, I I feel like what it's like that right brain, left brain, Yes, we, th- yes, we, think, yes. we think of we think of the artist, we think of the the guru, if you will, or the spiritual leader, very right brain, very, you know, artsy fartsy, touchy feely, it's all coming through. And all of that is fabulous. But obviously, to be an entrepreneur, you have to be left brain focused, yes. probably more of the time, honestly, and let yeah. that right brain sort of inform what you're doing with your left brain. But it's definitely a challenge to be a successful entrepreneur if you are, in fact, more of a right brain person. So that's where, you know, team building comes in, right? You gather a yes. team around you and you don't try to hang on to the whole thing yourself. It's about empowerment and you know, creating something that's sort of magical together with, of course, the understanding that those fabulous people that you bring along may decide to go off and do it on their own. But that's just part of the process. It, yes. the, the idea is to to build people and empower them. And then we want it to spread. We want, yes. you know, 10 people to take what they got from me or you and 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 run with it and go do it. Because that's Absolutely. that's how we make a better world, I think, honestly. 
Absolutely, Linda, 100%. I agree with that. And, you know, that's, that's what we, we want to empower people and we want to change the world and uplift it because God knows right now they could use oh a God. lot of that. So, okay. So let's yes. talk, let's talk about that a little bit. 2020. I mean, honestly, the last, we could go the last 50 years, but we'll just fast forward and we'll even skip maybe the last, you know, three, let's talk about this year and you're building a business and everything's going along great. And then 2020 happens and, and you. Yeah, I have a travel business. So, I do too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I could effectively rolled over and died, but <laughs> I. <Right? laughs> no, that's not my style. No. So, you know, we, every November 1st, my co director and I lay out our follow the following year. Okay. And we, we lay out all our promotions and what we're doing and what we're teaching and everything. And we did that last year and we started out this year and then everything changed and we had to do a major Linda pivot in our business. So what ended up happening is we realized that so many of our retreat leaders are not online. They're so you, yes, they, I mean, they have a website, but they don't really teach online. They do oh. in-person workshops. I see. Okay. They, they teach in workshop environments and they, they do their retreats and they, and so their income came to a halt. So what we decided was to help our retreat leaders in the highest way, we would teach them how to create, take their content and put it online. So at least they can either do a virtual retreat. One of my clients made $52,000 on a virtual retreat. Yes. And her people loved it. She did a writing retreat, which normally she would have done in person. It would have been twice the price, but sure. because it was virtual, she actually had more people sign up and she netted more because she didn't have to travel and she didn't have the expenses right. and she didn't need the staff and all of that. So she had such an amazing turnout. So it's, it's teaching them how to do virtual retreats or create actually an online program. Maybe they've been putting it off for a while and then they had it in the back of the head, like, oh, I really would like to create an online program, but year after year goes by because they're busy doing their retreats and other stuff. And then this year it's like, okay, I'm not doing anything because I have no business. Uh, maybe I can create my online program now and actually launch it and make some money. So that was the thrust of our pivot this year to help our retreat leaders. And they were really grateful. We had people who did quite well Good. by doing that. So That's it was wonderful. really, really exciting. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's true because the the retreat itself, it, it can be expensive and it can also be time consuming in terms of the travel. And there are many fabulous places in this world that are really not accessible to people with maybe perhaps some physical challenges. Yes. Like I think about, okay, one place that Disabilities. I know is, is one place is really magical. Okay. Machu Picchu. Yes. Machu Picchu, the most fabulous place. Well, if you're someone with asthma, you know, yep. it, it, like 
you would, me personally, I think I'll probably never go there because I don't want to have to, you know, haul an oxygen tank up a mountain, nor do I want to slow down a group. But if you can do an online retreat, you know, and you're doing this thing, it's not, obviously, it's not the same as being there. It's not the same, but the essence of the teaching and the essence of what's coming through can be as transformative, I think, even if you're not sitting, even if you're not sitting in the, you know, on that spot on the grid, because what you do is, you know, you, you, you mentally, telepathically, you bring that in. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you get creative and there's so many, like people, I I can't tell you how our community rebelled, Linda, they kept saying, you can't do a virtual retreat. I'm like, bull, you can do a virtual retreat. If you believe that there's no real time or space or location. You can connect energetically with your people. You can bring them into small like Zoom groups. There's lots of sharing that you could do. You can even take your laptop top out and do a fire ceremony outside. Come on. You can have people have burning bowls and do it along with you. Really, that to me, like anyone who says that is just having a lack of creativity and imagination. That's right. how I see. It's one of those, you know, many barriers that we put up yeah. and we throw that barrier up for ourselves. But, you know, I think this is, I, I'm just going to tell you, this might sound a little off the wall, but I think that part of the COVID lesson is preparing us for that leap into the fifth dimension, you yeah. know, that quantum leap from what came before and what's yes. coming up. And we need time to prepare our own selves to absorb all this energy that we're going to be taking in. Otherwise, we'll all get sick and, you know, blow up or whatever, but <laughs> break down. Our bodies won't be able to handle it. But this rest and reflect period hopefully has, is, is building people because we are resting more and doing more of that sort of thing. But I really feel like this is the wave of the future. It's going to be a lot more of this as well as travel, but it, yes. it, it all, it's all of a piece. It goes together. Mm-hmm. It's going to change the way we do events, how, how we create experiential offerings. It's going to change many, many things. It's been quite a lesson if you choose to see it that way. Uh, I heard someone say the other day that they decided to choose uh, to think about this year is that COVID wasn't something that was done to them. It was something they uh, chose to experience and learn from. Okay. So changing from a victim to, to uh, a participant in learning and growing from that. So I, I thought that was an interesting way of looking at things, at least certainly more positive. But oh, yeah. I do agree with you, Linda. I think that, you know, whenever we go through these types of huge global challenges, it's just taking that leap, one of those quantum leaps into something new and something different. And I don't know where it's going to go. I mean, I don't know anything, but I do know I need to stay open and flexible. And this has been a great exercise for me as a, just as an entrepreneur to practice being flexible and to be able to pivot, to be able to reimagine myself and my business in different ways and to focus on my clients because I don't have a business unless I'm serving. And serving my clients is not just selling a retreat program when they can't run retreats right now. Serving them is looking to see what are their greatest needs currently and how can I help them reach their goals and solve whatever problems they are experiencing right now. 
So, so what do you find that your clients are, are, what are some of their biggest concerns beyond, I mean, beyond the, I'm not making any money thing. (laughs) What are they, what are they really kind of saying underneath all that? Well, I, I think it's one of the biggest challenges. If if we look underneath the practical aspects of it is uh, how can I now take what I'm doing to the next level? Because I realize I've been playing small and doing it the easy way. And I am comfortable getting online and I am uncomfortable showing up in this way and putting myself out to a more global audience. And so that really is the issue underneath it all. You know, how can I get over my tech issues? Because my tech issues are stopping me from making the abundance that I could be making. And my tech issues are stopping me from reaching the people who I actually am meant to help. And they're continuing to suffer because of my selfishness because I'm afraid, afraid to put myself out there, afraid to learn the technology, afraid you know, of what that's going to do. So that selfishness and that, that ego stuff, you know, that fear that goes on behind it all, I think is the real issue. Yeah. It's kind of like, if I can't, if I can't do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it at all because I don't want to get on. And then all of a sudden my, my tech is weird and I have to apologize and I'm feeling funny when in fact, there's probably nothing sort of more endearing than vulnerability. I think, you know, that's proven over and over and over when you get up and you're willing to put yourself out there and just be as vulnerable as you are and say, you know what? I barely know any more than you do. I may be half a paragraph ahead on the page, but let's just work through this. You know, I'll tell you what I know. You tell me what you know, and we'll stumble through. And the idea is, as soon as you put something out there, you know, the universe definitely answers. You, you know, the the resources come flowing in yes. when you ask. But you have to ask. Yes. You know, you can't just stand there looking with your nose up against the glass, going, "Gosh, I wish I could do that." Gosh, I wish I could do that. Well, action. You have to take a step, right? Yes, that's what Esther Hicks used to say, right? Or still says. Yeah have to ask. So it's really important. And I, I, I can see like, they, they want so much to have that beautiful dream. And there's so much inside that's stopping that from coming forth. And so that's another gift that COVID has given us the chance to really put it in our face and say, look, you've got to do something now. Now I'm pushing you to step out. I'm pushing you to show yourself in a way you would never have done before. And you know, really, I mean, when you think about this, the people who do choose to go on a retreat, you know, they probably have a pretty successful life. You know, they're a professional, they're, you know, parents, their spouses or not, or they're taking care of all the people in their lives and they're involved in their community and they're doing all this, but still inside, inside there's that, there's that little nagging, but there's gotta be something more. I'm, you know, you can feel like a, a hamster on a wheel and you're, all the plates are spinning. Everything's humming along. Money's flowing in, got a new car, but yet there's something that's missing or they wouldn't be so eager to go on a retreat and and say, all right, you know what? All that stuff is great. Stuff, stuff, stuff is fabulous. But, you know, that's not really what this is all about. What's really all about is bringing forth the essence of you and the gift that you have to give to the world. And how do we reach in and find that and give you the courage to open your mouth and share your voice and share your gift? 
Exactly. There's always going to be naysayers out there. There's always going to be people who are critical of you. I mean, I put myself out there in a really huge way. We have our Facebook group has 62,000 people in there. Oh my goodness. Wow. People don't always agree with me, but I've learned at this point in time that it doesn't matter whether they do or not. I have my sacred purpose and it's my job to put it out there. If there's naysayers, yeah, exactly. If there's naysayers, that's just a challenge for me to stand more firmly in who I am and just realize they have the right to say whatever they have to say. And I have the right to continue doing what I know I'm meant to do. Now, I hope that you don't experience the level of vitriol, for example, that like politicians may or whatever, because I know I live in Oregon and, you know, our, we have a blue state, but it's blue because of the metro areas. Really, geographically, 90% of our state is probably pretty red. And so anytime that, you know, one of our senators or the governor or somebody puts something up online, oh my gosh, it's just flooded with people who feel exactly the opposite. And, you know, you ought to be recalled and, you know, you should never have been born. <laughs> Curse your family for seven generations. And, and I think to myself, I don't know if I could be a politician. I always think that I'm prepared to be some supreme commander of the universe. But in fact, I probably would never be able to read reviews because maybe I'm thinner skinned. I guess I probably am thinner skinned than I think. But how do you deal with some of that? You just stay calm or you just ignore it or don't engage or how does that work for you? It happens all the time. I get hate mail. Mm. I get really nasty hate mail with Mm. curses in it. (gasps) Wow. Yeah. So when I get that, I always write back to people in a very kind way. And that's when the four agreements and all of that learning comes back in. And if someone writes something really nasty, I express to them, you know, of course, you are welcome to have your point of view. um, But I ask of you to you know, take the negativity out of it. You're, you're welcome to express your point of view, but you don't need to curse me or yell at me. It's fine. I hear you. I recognize you. Uh, I, I do not agree with you, but, but I appreciate you taking the time to write me a note. And that's just my way of, of letting people know that they have the right to share their point of view, but Uh, We really don't have the right to be disrespectful to others. That's where I draw the line. And uh, that's just for me saying, okay, this is respect. Absolutely. You need to respect others. Mm -hmm. You don't have to agree with them, but you need to respect them. And, and that is something I always put my foot down, but I don't argue with people. I don't write back and say, you're so stupid, or this is the stupidest thing, or how could you say this? Or, you know, I hate you. Like to me that it's like the only way to solve a low level consciousness problem is by dealing with it from the level of consciousness above that. Because if you're on the same level of consciousness, it's just, you're going nowhere. And that's no solution to me. Yeah. It's kind of like when you find yourself fighting with your teenagers and you think, wait a second, who's the adult here? Why am I dropping to their level? Stop that. (laughs) You know? Yeah. That's so funny, Linda. That's so true. Well, and I think also, Dr. Sherry, that this, this has been this whole 
I don't know, we'll just say four years, whatever everybody knows. It's been a very uh, interesting and illuminating lesson in, well, just how spiritual are you? Because you think you're so flipping zen and you are just la-di-da-di-da and rainbows and butterflies, but you come across somebody who's up in your grill and it's amazing how triggered oh, yeah. many of us, me included, become. I've, I've had so many conversations with people that said, God, I don't want to hate anybody, but I don't want to hate anybody, but, and I mean, I feel the same. It's really difficult. But to me, I turn it around and I say, all right, Missy, <laughs> clearly you can see that you have a huge ego problem. Clearly you can see that you absolutely think you're right. And that people who don't agree with you are who are on the other side of the fence on issues. Well, they just don't, they just don't really, they're not clued into how it really is. And I think that's something that we've all had to confront. Yeah. Absolutely, but don't take it personally. Right. It's the second agreement that Don Miguel teaches. And right. people don't really understand don't take it personally. It's it's don't taking not taking anything personally is the inside you know road for getting your ego under control because as soon as somebody says something and it tweaks you, like I have to step back and say, wow, why is this pissing me off? <laughs> All right. Because this is not about me. It involves me, but it's not about me. And that I think is the most important critical difference there that, that people miss because they say, it is about me. My husband just said this about me. Yes, it's his opinion. It's not, it, inv it involves you, but it's not about you. That's about how he is perceiving you. That's personal to him. That's not mm -hmm. about you. Mm -hmm. Now you may be acting like an ass. That's mm -hmm. possible, but that's your on your side that you have to evaluate based on the fact that someone is having a reaction to you. So you have to do two things. One, you have to look and say, okay, this is not about me. And what's going on here that I need to look at and take responsibility for so that I could deal with this properly. If I am an ass, I need to say, okay, I'm being an ass right now, but let's take this down a notch and have a conversation about this. So, you know, it's, it's just using those, those great words, those four agreements to, to get a handle on people's personal opinions and points of view, because we're always going to have different points of view. No, I, I cannot see a world where everyone has the same thought forms. They're no. not. So we have to learn how to more effectively deal with the differences of opinion and points of view and be able to be respectful, share and exchange and understand that they may not even be any kind of resolution other than to agree to disagree. And that's right. okay too. It is what it is. Well, at some point, we almost have to agree to disagree yeah. or we can't get anything done at all. I mean, exactly. that's, that's the way that life is going to have to work is, yeah. you know, yes, it, this is it. And also, too, I was thinking, you know, it's, it's so easy to say, you know, don't take anything personally. And I could say to you, Dr. Sherry, don't take it personally. But then when it comes to me, it's like, it feels really personal. <laughs> yes, 
exactly. You know? So it's like practice what you preach. Right? <laughs> well, and that's the problem you were talking about before with spiritual people in general, that this mm-hmm. is really challenging them to put what they have learned into place. Because under these high stress circumstances, the worst of us can come out. And you really see, I'm seeing it in my community, which is basically, you know, people who do retreats. Yes, there's some hardcore uh, business people that are doing retreats. But for the most part, they are all light workers and transformational leaders mm-hmm. and all of that. Uh, and so they all have been on some spiritual path or not. But when someone gets in your face and feels the need to like scream at you and curse at you, I have to come back and reflect something back to say, you know, we're all spiritual people here. Is this how we really want to handle this? You know, again, I'm happy to hear your point of view and I have to set a boundary to this. So it's, it's just really interesting to see how people embody those teachings. And it's always like what you said, oh, yes, I believe in that strongly <laughs> until you're in my face. And then, and, then, and then my ego rears up and I take it personally and I feel empowered to be able to get back in your face in a way that is not very spiritual at all. Right. Exactly. So I, I feel like this year in particular has taught us a lot about uh, peeling the onion and yes. you think, okay, I'm pretty good. And then something happens and then you realize, oh, there's another layer. And then you feel like, all right, maybe I got that. And then something else happens, you know, and, and it sounds to me like your business, it's, it's pretty on track. I mean, you probably aren't going to change a whole lot going forward from what you're doing now. But I'm sure that there are an awful lot of people out there, no matter what industry you're in, but travel for sure, who are really doing some self-evaluation and, you know, business evaluation and say, how do I want to, how do I want to pivot? What do I want to do going forward that, that will maybe be more sustainable or I can at least allow me to weather such storms as these. And I feel like that's, that's another important lesson because it is about diversification, obviously. Yes, absolutely. And even looking at my own business, you know, with the two sides, my travel business was practically dead this year, but my coaching business did excellent this year. So I think that we do need to diversify. And they always say, never put all your eggs in one basket. We tend to do that. But when things go bad, we realize, oh my gosh, that was not really a good business strategy, was it? Right, right, exactly. So Dr. Sherry, do you have any uh, parting thoughts for us in terms of thoughts about the next year or the future, what's going on? Well, I do think we're going to get back to travel like we always do. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think back to 9-11, you sure. know, travel came to a screeching halt and then it came back with a vengeance and people do love traveling. I, I feel like travel in, in general gives us a chance to uh, challenge our own belief systems because we see different foods, different customs, different religions, different spirituality, different ways of valuing life and what's important really makes you think about yourself. And, and I do believe that experience is never going to go away. I think for next year, we're going to continue this path of of working on ourselves and seeing how we can put ourselves forth, you know, more firmly and mm-hmm. really stand in our power and, and do things in a different way. And even evaluate how are we running our businesses? Is it 
the way that we want to run it? You know, do we have the team we want? Are we putting out the love we want? How can we be more authentic? How can we reach our audience in a better way? How can we really step up and serve in a more uh, transparent and, and just like down to earth way? That's what people want. I, I don't think they really want gurus at this point in time. They, 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 they want community and partnership and they want to feel like they can talk to the people they're learning from mm-hmm. I agree. And, not, and not like be like this. Right. Exactly. So I, I think those are the, some of the things we're going to be seeing for next year. I mean, I don't, I, from a medical point of view, you know, we, I don't think things are going to open up in the, in the way we'd like them to until the mass is really get immunized. And I know there's a lot of people that don't believe in that. So we're just going to have to see how it all shakes out. But I know for me personally, this is my own personal choice. I will take the vaccine and I'm going to get on a plane. Right. (laughs) I feel like a trapped bird right now. Exactly. I'm I'm like, I'll be a guinea pig. Sign me up. In fact, I volunteered for a trial and then I put in all my information. They're like, we're sorry. You're a reject. I don't know if I'm too old or what the problem is. I was rejected for the trial in Portland. So anyway, well, thank you, Dr. Sherry, very, very much. I really appreciate speaking with you. It's been a very illuminating interview, and um, I can't wait to see you again. Thank you, Linda. It's been a pleasure. You're fantastic. And uh, I wish everyone the best for next year. I I think it's going to be quite interesting and illuminating. (laughs) I think so, too. Okay, well, thank you. 